Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again at Season Watch at this most glorious season of the year. And so we're just going to start in prayer. And Lord, we just uh, know that there are people out there hurting this time of year, um, even when there's so many things to celebrate. We also get lost in the hustle of this time of year. And we just pray that you calm our hearts and help us to uh, be with you and one with you, give our hearts to you, to seek you again in, in earnestness and in truth. And help us, Lord, to rely on you. Help us to be a help to others. We pray for your comfort for those of us who are dealing with Um, difficult challenges right now. You said you'll never leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord, we rely on you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hello, friends. What a wonderful time of year. I know I keep saying this. I really do love Christmas. And I know there's a lot of hustle and bustle, but if we set our hearts to slow down that rapid mindset, we'll see there are all kinds of opportunities out there to share and to shine your light and make people feel like they matter. And people just need to know they matter. It makes uh, all the difference, right? It takes so little to do that. I was running errands yesterday trying to get everything done on my list and I was truly hustling, but then I hit a roadblock and that stopped all my momentum and I was tempted to get frustrated. Believe me, that's the first thing I want to do. I just get frustrated. But um, even though my plans had hit a glitch, God reminded me what Christmas was all about. And it's about opportunities, right? So I settled my heart and surrendered to my circumstances, which is really a miracle, to be honest with you. If you're like me at all, you know that. And so have you ever had to face that kind of challenge or have you had to face that kind of challenge recently to surrender to your circumstances? It's not easy. It's hard to surrender. But the very feeling um, that we have at the time, it feels great. It's freeing when we do. And so my derailment was just a little exercise in surrender, but practicing in the little things helps translate to when we get challenged with something much bigger, much greater, with more at stake. And so we need to be able to surrender to our circumstances and let the peace come with knowing that God has a purpose. Just like Romans 8:28 tells us that God turns all things to good for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes, not ours, his, right? And so when our ideas about how things should go collide with how they are actually going, we must recognize that God is doing something. And we need to trust that our derailment is his realignment of our walk with him. And I love what Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has foreordained that we should walk in. And that's beautiful. It's a beautiful relationship. And so you see, God has foreordained good works for us, even when we're not looking for them. He's at work through us if we are indeed called according to his purposes and surrender to trust him. It's actually such a beautiful calling. He trusts us like a king, giving out special assignments to one of his most faithful ambassadors. That's who we get to be. 
And so when our plans seem derailed, we must quickly alert to the fact that God is doing something and to flip the switch in our minds and adopt to an attitude of expectation and look for what God is doing. Every time I do that, I'm rewarded. I'm, I rejoice. I never regret allowing that, letting it go and looking for what God's doing, even though it's not easy, right? And friends, if we could do that, even in our most challenging times, some terrible things. I've, I've had students this year have faced terrible things. These are terrible times for some people. And when we face those terrible, challenging times, what a difference we can make when we surrender to him. What joy and what peace we have as we trust that somehow God will use us in an unwanted, unexpected circumstances of our lives whether big or small, to reveal something to others, to cross paths with someone who needs a touch, and to share about God's faithful love for them and to show kindness when they aren't expecting it and for us to see God's glory as he works it together for good through us. So this walk with Jesus is not easy, but it comes with great victory when we manage to let go of our self-interest and to trust him. So even though I got stuck somewhere, I wasn't planning to get stuck, and I quickly realized that God was doing something, and it changed my heart. And I used the time to talk to others that were also stuck. And by the time I left, I'd been able to encourage probably 20 other people with million-dollar tracks that I had on me. We joked, we laughed, and uh, we reminded each other, and I reminded them that Christmas is about Jesus and the joy that he brings to all of our situations. And who knows, but that small, unexpected investment of time might end up saving someone's soul. Is your time worth such a treasure? What about your money? Christian charities around the world rely on our year of end giving to keep them going. So please, this time of year, consider supporting ministries right now. And not only um, because they save lives, but they encourage those who need it most. They share the gospel and support distressed and persecuted believers. And so we've got great ministries. We have opportunities to help to contribute to the kingdom. A lot of you don't like to get out there and you're a little shy about sharing, but you have the resources and you trust God enough to share your resources and with people who will get the gospel out, who will help those who need help. And so right here in San Diego, we've got the San Diego Rescue Mission. They don't even take funding from the federal government because of the Obama-era ties that they had. Not to share the gospel is crazy. And, of course, we have local crisis pregnancy centers like CCAP that are in need of our generosity to help supply the health needs for women considering to choose life. And then Samaritan's Purse is a great outreach. Franklin Graham's ministry goes all over the world for people in crisis and disasters and shares the love of Jesus. We've got Open Doors and Voice of the Martyrs, our great persecuted church um, resources. They go out into the whole world and help with the persecuted church. And don't we want to help our brothers and sisters? that are suffering under terrible regimes. And then, of course, Compassion International is a great Christian ministry. It sponsors children, and it helps give families resources they need, like food or water, farming. You could actually give animals to them, and it's really neat. Compassion International is a great ministry, and most of all, they deliver the gospel and support people with the Word of God. They really are changing lives. And we've got Chosen People Ministry is supporting Israel. We've got uh, at least two locations right now, and they're helping supporting the displaced families. They're sharing the gospel. They're helping with um, Messianic uh, ministries. And especially you've got, you know, you've got Jewish believers going into the IDF right now. All, God's peppered them all throughout the IDF. And people are hungry to know about the Word of God, and they're listening. 
And so we want to be a part of this. We'll get fruit for the kingdom when we join and support them. And so I just urge you to consider these things. Only Jesus, Yeshua, changes lives. Only Jesus promises he will never leave you or forsake you. Only Jesus can bring salvation and eternal life. As Peter testified after healing the lame man in Acts 4, he said, Acts 4 verse 10, Let it be known to you all, to all people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Don't we want people to be whole in Jesus This is the stone which the builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that means for you too, friend, if you have not trusted in Jesus, he is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is eternal life. Give your your trust to him. Let him pay for your sins. Walk with him and see how he could change and enrich your life. He will give you eternal life, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Don't wait any longer. Please respond to his call. And so, friends, fasten your truth belts as today we talk about Yeshua, kinsman, redeemer, and savior of the world. And so last time we discussed how God's eternal plan for humanity was charted through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then he used, uh, he created the people of Israel. And through Israel, he chose David to be their king. And through David, uh, he promised to establish his eternal throne in the Messiah, which is the promise to come, Jesus, Yeshua. And Yeshua means salvation. It's a beautiful promise. And God created the nation of Israel himself for this purpose. And so we can't separate Jesus, Yeshua, from being the Jewish Messiah, the Messiah of the prophecies, the Messiah who would come to the whole world. And just like the rest of the world, both Jews and Gentiles must come to Jesus by choice. We all choose to either accept or reject him. So we're all alike. And we've seen that just like the rest of the world, many Jews have not accepted Yeshua as their Messiah yet, right? We're still working on it, just like the rest of the world. But as the Bible reveals, there will always be a remnant of faithful, true followers. And we know that the Pharisees in Jesus' time were play-acting their religion, right? And Jesus called them hypocrites, just like there are many hypocrites among Christians and any other group who might gain prestige by feigning righteous causes, right? But the Gospels record Mark twelve thirty-seven that through the religious, uh, that although the religious leaders hated Jesus, quote, the common people heard him gladly. And that's us at least, right? We can hear him gladly. And this is how it's always been, as Jesus warned in Matthew 7, starting in verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there be many who go by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And few there be who find it. And that's because of pride. We refuse it. We reject it. Right, We reject Jesus' offer. And so all of Jesus' followers, his first followers, all the church, were Israeli people. They were all Jewish, who, uh, those who heard his voice and they believed, just as Isaiah 12 had prophesied. Isaiah 12 says, In that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you are angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. He offers this to all of us, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Verse 12, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He also has become 
my salvation. And that literally means in the Hebrew that he has become Yeshua for me. Isn't that amazing? The words in Hebrew point to Jesus as the actual Messiah, that God would become the Messiah, salvation for us. And so Jesus is that well of salvation that we draw from, promised to the Jewish people. And yet Paul and the prophets and even Jesus himself described that the church would spread out and grow among the Gentiles, starting in Israel and out to the whole world, and that the whole world would know the name of Jesus, Yeshua, Isa, Yesu. And we do. There's no other name recognized around the world like his. And we see the entire trajectory of the last 2,000 years is to culminate in Jesus' prophecies concerning the last days, when he said in Luke 21, 12, but before all these things, they will lay your hands, their hands upon you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you an occasion for a testimony. And the Jews will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because redemption draws near. Verse 34, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare upon all those who dwell in the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So Israel, who had seen the Messiah, was scattered throughout the whole world as Jesus directed his disciples to spread the gospel before the times of the end and the judgment would come suddenly upon the whole world. And we saw in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so after Jesus revealed himself to Israel as their promised Messiah and fulfilled all the prophecies concerning his messianic duties, the next stage of the prophecies would begin for his Jewish followers to go into all the world and spread the gospel to every nation. And in 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed and Israel was scattered throughout the whole world as a mechanism, mechanism to save the nations, quote, until the times of the Gentiles were fulfilled. And friends, we're seeing the signs of that time, and it's winding down right as we speak. And so the ancient prophecies reveal, reveal that the Messiah would be given through Israel, God's chosen people, to the whole world and deliver salvation to the whole world during the times of the Gentiles. And we see this promise in Isaiah. Look at 11.10. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. And Isaiah 42, 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Verse 6. And the Lord have, and I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will uphold you with my right hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. And verse 7, to open the blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Jesus is going to bust us out of the prison of hell, of death and hell. We see Isaiah 55, 4, it says, Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. 
Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and the nations who do not know you shall run to you. We're going to run to Jesus because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And then we see Daniel seven thirteen. This is beautiful. As I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. And that's our Savior. And there are many other Old Testament prophecies that promise the coming Messiah who came through Israel would bring salvation to the whole world. And we see indeed that the New Testament reveals the same promise, that Jesus came through Israel as the son of David to save the whole world. And we see, interestingly, in Revelation twenty two sixteen, what Jesus says about himself. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So he's both the root of David and the offspring, the descendant of David, because only God can do that, right? And then we see in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John ten sixteen, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And that's the marvelous um, uniting of all who trust in Jesus, both Jews and Gentile. And it's a promise of the flock that's not of his original fold. And that's us. And he brings us in. So we become one people, both Jew and Gentile. We know Paul talked about that. And there's an interesting principle in the Old Testament called the kinsman redeemer, which gave, which God gave in the law. But really, it points to the day of his Messiah, who would buy the whole world and redeem it as a blood relative of those who'd been sold into bondage because of the curse of sin. And we see this principle explained in Leviticus 25. We see starting in verse 25, if your brother grows poor and has sold away some of his possession, and if any of his near kin comes to redeem it, then shall he redeem it that which his brother had sold. And we see also verse 47. And if your brother grows poor and sells himself to a stranger, after he's sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brothers or kinsmen may redeem him. Either an uncle or an uncle's son may redeem him or any of the near kin to him of his family may redeem him. Um, And then this is a principle that is described in the beautiful story of Ruth. That's a nice, quick story to really read so many beautiful things and promises. And she helped restore Naomi, her faithful mother-in-law, by marrying a near kinsman of the family. And she bore to him Obed, the father of Jesse, the father of David, through whom the kinsman redeemer promises were actually given in the coming Messiah. So we need to, we have this need for redemption. And we see this in Psalm 49, 49 verse 6. Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give God a ransom for him. Isn't that sad? But we know somebody, right? Verse 8, For the redemption of their soul is costly, that it should not cease forever, that he should continually live eternally and not see the corruption of the pit. 
verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall redeem me. And that's the need and the promise met in the Messiah. And again, we see this in Isaiah 52, verse 3, for thus is the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. Verse 10, and the Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And God revealed that he would bring the kinsman redeemer both to Israel and the nations of the whole world as a brother for all, right? And we see that in Jesus's lineage given in Luke 3, that not only is Jesus promised Uh, the promised Messiah and Redeemer of Israel, but that he also is the near kinsman of the whole world, tracing through Mary's bloodline back to David, then back to Abraham, then back to Adam in chapter 3, verse 38 of Luke. And it says, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. And so we see full circle, Jesus was born into the world by through the bloodline of Mary, and we see the principle of a kinsman redeemer in Jesus's parable of the treasure, buying the whole world back from the debt of sin by giving his precious sinless blood, son of a daughter, daughter of Eve, seed of a woman, son of God, fulfilling all these promises and prophecies all the way back from Genesis 3.15. And so we see this kinsman redeemer in Matthew's parable, Matthew, uh, Jesus' parable in Matthew thirteen forty four, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so Jesus bought the whole world and paid for the sins of the whole world. He actually redeemed every human ever born as a righteous blood relative, kinsman redeemer of every human. He's the son of God and the son of man. And even though he bought the whole world to offer salvation as a free gift, as the verse says, few there be who find it, right? And so this Christmas, we remember this amazing promise from our amazing loving God, redeemer and savior, come into the world to make a family for himself, to pay for our debts and free us from our death for all those who believe. And the angels announced in Luke 2, just as as God promised. It says in Luke 2, verse 8, And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, towards men. And with such a fanfare of angels announcing this remarkable event, God, born in the flesh, the creator of the universe, contained himself in a humble baby to redeem the world himself. And as Peter, 1 Peter 1 rejoices in God's amazing gift of love, 
He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us, that they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those which have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which the angels desired to look into. That's how remarkable it was. The angels couldn't believe what they were seeing. God born as a human. First Peter one eighteen, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless sinful conduct, but received by your fathers in verse nineteen, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Amen. And so our faith and hope must be in God through his promised Messiah, Redeemer, kinsman Redeemer of the whole world. He paid for it with his own blood, not with gold, not with anything that could perish, but with an unperishable gift of himself. So have a joyful Christmas, be of goodwill toward others, and bring them into God's care. The time is short. And until next time, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. 